Welcome back to Talking Dairy, where we dive into the most important topics on the minds of Kiwi dairy farmers. Methane, it's a big topic and it's a pressing concern for our sector. We need to reduce our emissions while improving profitability, but how? Well, today I'm chatting with DairyNZ Senior Research Scientist Dr Jane Kay, who leads the Less Methane team. She's here to talk about the research that DairyNZ's doing in this area. We'll find out what tools offer the most promise and when those tools might be available to farmers. Let's get into it. Hey Jane, thanks so much for coming on the, the podcast today. It's cool to have you here. Oh no, thank you Ben. Thanks for the invitation and the opportunity to um, to talk about methane. Yeah, it's nice to be back meeting in person and we're, <laughs> we're doing this recording here at Newstead uh, in a room, whereas most of our podcasts have been on Teams over the recent months. So yeah, no, it is. It's really nice to um, yeah to be back in the office, to be back seeing people face to face again. Yeah, cool. Hey, so Jane, tell us about your role here at Dairy NZ. What exactly do you do, and how long have you been working in the dairy sector for? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, my role at DNZ is a senior scientist, and when I count back the years, there's more than a few. So I've actually been working in the dairy industry for over twenty years now. My main areas of expertise and research are ruminant nutrition and animal physiology, and more recently I've delved into the farm systems research. What I really love about my role as a scientist at DNZ is that um, it's probably not what people typically expect from a scientist. We get to work with farmers, we get out on farm, and we're always trying to understand from them what their challenges are and then how we can use science to try and help develop a solution that enable them to meet their challenges or solve their problems. Currently, I lead the Less Methane team, which is a large research program at DairyNZ. Yeah, so tell us about the team. How many people are in it and what exactly are you trying to achieve? It's a very large team um, and I won't name specific people because I run the risk of, of missing someone out. Within DairyNZ, we have a group of scientists that work on the animal and forage aspect and the Less Methane program. We also work with social scientists and we want to ensure that we are working closely with farmers, identifying their challenges, potential solutions, and we want to make sure that we create implementable knowledge that they can conduct on their farm. We work with the economists, with farm system specialists, the policy team, data analysts. Within DNZ, we partner with other organisations within New Zealand and we're also partnering with organisations internationally because it's such a large area that we're trying to solve. So you're saying that although you've got a team of of scientists working on this problem, you have to be working across the whole organisation. There's lots of different cogs in this. Yeah, we have a brilliant team of scientists. I'm not going to underestimate the work that's been done in the research space, but because it's such a large area and it involves policy we have to work across other disciplines within the organisation, within the country and also internationally as well. Yeah, sure. When was the Less Methane team actually formed? We were formed, I suppose, officially, I think two years ago now. There has been work going on in the methane space for a number of years, but the intensity of the challenge and the need for solutions has risen. So in the last two years, the team has grown. We're recruiting at the moment with new people, new scientists joining the team, which is really exciting. And there's been more resource, so money, time, infrastructure, equipment invested into this area. Mm. Why are we talking about methane today? Let's just backtrack a little bit and give some context. Why are we having this conversation? Yeah, it's a very topical area, you know, presently, and it's a huge challenge to agriculture and to the dairy industry. 
We're talking about it because in order to honour New Zealand's commitment to the Paris Agreement, the government has set legislated targets. So by 2030, we have to reduce methane by 10% below 2017 levels. And by 2050, we have to reduce methane by between 24 and 47% below 2017 levels. And we also have to get nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide to net zero by that time. I suppose why it's so important to us is that in New Zealand, our methane emissions primarily come from ruminants, so from cattle and sheep. So there's a lot of pressure on farmers to help reach these national targets. What makes it even more challenging is that methane production is a natural physiological process. So when a cow eats grass or any other forage or feed, it's digested in a rumen and byproducts are released. And some of these byproducts the cow uses for our own energy and nutrients, but some of them are not usable by the cow. So in order to get rid of them, the bugs in the rumen, which we call methanogens, they take these unusable products, combine them together to form methane, and then that methane is released when the animal belches. So not when she farts, which a lot of people um, mm. still think. So when um, when she's yeah, when the animal belches, the methane comes out of her mouth. Yeah, sure. So your team comes into this trying to find solutions. Tell us exactly what you're trying to achieve. So what we're trying to achieve is success for our team is to develop viable and scalable methane mitigation solutions that farmers can implement on their farms. And the aim is to reduce our total emissions, so to help us reach those targets, but also maintain our emissions efficiency. So New Zealand farmers are the most emissions efficient producers of milk products in the world. So we want to maintain that efficiency, but we still need to meet our national targets. So the challenge is, how do we achieve both those metrics? So let's get into some of the specifics of your research. What exactly is your team working on? In the Less Methane program, I think the easiest way to talk about it is to break it into three key work streams. The first work stream is we're testing and assessing promising technologies and also different delivery mechanisms. So as I mentioned before, methane emissions are produced when the animal digests her feed. So the amount of methane that the cow produces is directly related to the amount of feed that she eats. So it's a real challenge to try and mitigate methane without uncoupling that relationship. So what we're doing is we're looking at technologies such as feed additives or compounds. Some examples are seaweed or bromoform, products that I'm sure people will have heard of, Bovir or 3NOP. And these actually inhibit the methanogens in the rumen so they don't make or produce as much methane while that feed is being digested. We're also looking at other technologies such as the different types of supplementary feeds and forages that we know produce less methane when they're digested in the rumen. And for all of these products or compounds that we test, we need to look at how much methane is reduced by, so the efficacy of the product. We also need to look at the effect that it may have on the animal, so we need to make sure there's no negative effects on animal health or welfare. And we also need to make sure that product quality and integrity is maintained, because obviously that's a key for our dairy industry. The second work stream that we're looking at is working with the New Zealand Greenhouse Gas Inventory Team and we need to make sure that methodologies and data that is incorporated into the inventory is accurate and up to date. And that will not only ensure that at a national level we're quoting the right numbers but also that 
farmers are fairly rewarded for any mitigations that they might implement on their farm. And the third work stream is working with our stakeholders, and that is using our technical expertise, our farm systems knowledge, and just ensuring that any money that's invested or resource is invested into the most promising technologies. So we want to prioritise the areas that we believe have the most potential for finding solutions for our farmers. Yeah, on that topic, Jane, of the investment, with so many options for reducing methane, how exactly do you decide which ones to invest in for the research? That's a tough question, Ben. There are a lot of options out there at the moment and a lot of existing companies, startup companies, a lot of products coming onto the market. And what we're using is some criteria that was defined by BURSA, and apologies for a lot of these acronyms. BURSA stands for Biological Emissions Reduction Science Accelerator, and it's a team of people that have come together to make sure that money has been invested into the most promising technologies mm-hmm. or areas have been accelerated that we believe will find the solution. And under this, there's criteria that we look at with each new technology or product that comes on board. We'll think about the efficacy of it, like how much methane will it reduce, the farm systems fit, so how relevant and applicable is it to our New Zealand farm systems, practicality, you know, delivery on farm, time required to implement, economics, so what's the likely cost of using that product or that strategy versus the benefits from it. We also need to think about animal productivity, so animal health, animal welfare, animal performance, reproduction, and even the animal's progeny and offspring. We think about product quality and integrity, any other effects on the environment. We don't want to try and reduce methane and then find we've created an issue with nitrate leaching or any other Mm. sort of environmental consequences. We have to think about the impact on market and customers, so how will the public feel? about these solutions being used on our farms. We need to consider any social or cultural impacts. It may be if we are feeding a compound to an animal, does that impact on anybody's social or cultural beliefs? How will it be accounted for, as we talked about before, in the inventory at a national level, but also at a farm level? And also regulatory requirements. So we need to ensure that any product or compound or strategy that's used is regulated I just wanted to just go back a little bit. Where you were talking about, for example, uh, Workstream 1. Yeah. If you take seaweed, can you paint a picture for our listeners, for farmers? What does that research actually look like? Where is it happening? How many cows are involved? You know, like paint a picture of yeah. that. So, I mean, any work that we do, say, you know, for example, for, for seaweed or 3NOP or any sort of dietary ingredient or inhibitor work that we do, the research covers a variety. So we may do what we call in vitro research where we actually use glass containers that mimic the cow's rumen and we can test products, we can try and gain some answers without even putting the product into the animal. Then what we need to do obviously to determine that sort of whole animal effect is we will run research trials where we feed the product to the animal. So Depending on the question that we're trying to answer, we may have between 20 animals, we may have 50 animals, we may scale it up to a herd level and we'll feed the product to the animal and we will measure their methane emissions. At DRNZ we do that using what's called a green feed. 
and the animal will eat a small portion of feed and the green feed unit actually captures the methane that she's emitting as she's eating, captures it with a fan and then records the amount of methane the animal emitted compared to the background gas. And so we get a measure throughout the day of the methane that the animals are emitting. There's other measurement equipment. So ag research have some respiratory chambers where the animals are placed inside these can be for sort of 24 to 48 hours and that captures all the methane the animals emitting. At our Dairy NZ farms we have some amazing resources where we can measure the animals intake, we can measure the animals methane emissions and then we'll look at all the other production or performance parameters that we're looking to measure such as live weight or milk production. We can also take samples, we can look at rumen degradation rates and, and that. Jane, what are the challenges for mitigating methane in cows? There's a lot. Um, And I think specifically for us in New Zealand, a key challenge is our pasture-based system. So it gives us our competitive advantage, but it also can pose a problem when we're trying to incorporate any sort of dietary ingredients or these methane inhibitors into the cow's diet. And that's because our cows are outdoors grazing pastures for a large portion of their life. There are proven compounds such as chemicals or feed additives or dietary ingredients that can inhibit the activity of the methanogens, so those bugs in the rumen that make the methane, and they've been proven overseas. What we know, though, is that these compounds are only effective at reducing the amount of methane produced while they're present in the rumen. That's easily achieved when they can be mixed in with a ration. So overseas, a lot of animals are fed what we call a total mixed ration, And that's when they're in a sort of a feed lot or what we call a confinement system. And they just feed that ration 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's easy to mix in a small amount of, uh, whether it's the seaweed, whether it's the 3 no pea, whatever the compound is, it's easy to mix it in with that ration. And the cows are eating it every mouthful and it's continuously present in the rumen so it can reduce the activity of the methanogens. And our system, when our cows are out grazing pasture, we're really struggling with that delivery Mechanism. So how do we get that inhibitor or that compound into the cow's rumen for a prolonged period throughout the day to reduce the methane while she's out grazing pasture? At the moment, we're looking at proven inhibitors, and that's primarily because we want inhibitors or dietary ingredients such as the seaweed or bromoform, the 3NOP, that are proven at a cow level. And what we're looking at them is with that systems lens on. So how can we get these to work at a herd level and work within our system. So we've also considered other options. I mean, it would be great if we could find something that we could put through the water trough, through a dosatron, through something we could spray on the pasture, you know, loose slicks that are sometimes used for minerals. But there's a lot of limitations and challenges with those. There's a lot of products, volatility, degradation, other impacts on the environment. We've also got to look at animal access and intake. So we can't have a product that an animal could either sort of overdose on it or not get enough of it. So we need that control. And we're always sort of looking at those whole farm system effects. There are two promising options that the team are investigating at the moment. One is what we call early life intervention. And the other is using automated in paddock feeders. The early life intervention is based on the theory that when a calf is born, her rumen is completely undeveloped. It's naive. It's like a blank canvas or a clean slate and it has no microbes in it. So after she's born, the microbial population begins to develop. So the theory is is that if we can feed that newborn calf a compound, whether it's the seaweed or the 3NOP, if we can feed her a compound at that time, 
and inhibit the activity of the methanogens as she grows and as the rumen develops, that population of bugs is never as much as what it would be if we hadn't treated that calf. So it means that even after we finish feeding her that compound, she'll have less of those methanogens present in her rumen and then will emit less methane for the rest of her life. Mm. So we're working on that at the moment. Obviously, there's some challenges with that strategy. A key one is how can we get that compound into the rumen soon enough after the calf is born before that rumen starts to develop to create a lifetime effect and the rumen starts to develop within hours after the calf is born. So a very appealing opportunity because then we wouldn't have to try and get an inhibitor into the cows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We could just feed it to this young animal and that would have this lifetime effect, but definitely still some challenges in that space. The other option that we're investigating is the use of an automated in-paddock feeder. That's basically a machine that we can place out into the paddock with the herd of cows grazing. It can identify a cow via her ear tag and then we can set the machine to deliver a set amount of supplement to that cow several times a day. So the idea is that a methane inhibitor could be incorporated into its supplement and the cow would then consume this more frequently throughout the day. And that means that the inhibitor would be present in the rumen for longer periods while they're out grazing pasture and potentially reduce the methane emissions by more. Yes, really interesting. So you're saying with the second option there, basically we're having to come up with these solutions that meet our pasture-based system, whereas in somewhere like the States where cows have fed the total mixed ration, you wouldn't have that same problem. It'd be easier to get these products into them. Yeah, it's a real benefit. It's our competitive advantage as our pasture-based system, but for this particular area, it is posing us some challenges. Jane, I've heard about the capsules that you can feed to cows, to the, the slow-release capsules. Can you talk about those? Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of work. Like I said, we're trying to overcome this challenge of how do we get this inhibitor to be present in the room and throughout the day. So one option was to try and feed the animal more of the inhibitor throughout the day. And the other option, which several companies are looking at during Z's investing in this area, is some slow-release capsules. So at the moment, there's Lots of different technologies being looked at. There's some that may potentially release the methane inhibitor for up to six hours, which would help us with our twice daily feeding. And there's companies that are looking at technologies that you could give an animal a capsule and it will continue to release that inhibitor for 100 or even 200 days. So some really exciting work happening in that space as well. Yeah, and the point there is trying to find a solution that means you're not having to feed the stuff to the cows all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I suppose the focus of this capsule or slow release technology is very specific to our pasture-based system because that would overcome that challenge of having that inhibitor present in the room and 24-7. Hey, so there are feeds that produce less methane when a cow eats them, such as grain. Should we be using more of these in our system? Yeah, it's a really good question, Ben. We have a set amount of methane per kilo of dry matter intake, but we know that this varies with the type of feed. So if we feed a high starch feed, such as grains, the animal will produce less methane. We also know that there's differences within the forages. So some forages, such as the brassica rape, have been identified as producing less methane. What is the real challenge is how we incorporate these into our system. So we've got to think about it from an animal nutritional perspective. So we can only feed a small amount of grain to our animals because of a nutritional reason. But also we need to think about the methane produced at the farm level, at the whole systems level. So if we were to bring in 
a lot of grain into a system, we end up bringing more feed into that system and then our total methane could increase. So we're always looking at these technologies such as the different feeds and the forages. We also know that even within ryegrass, we see different amounts of methane emitted at different times of the year. So we're trying to understand that. But we've always got to look at it with a systems lens on and just make sure that we're not trying to just solve the problem at the cow level, that we're also solving it at the whole farm level as far as reducing methane emissions. On that note, Jane, there are lots of different farm systems. So what is your team doing to ensure that the solutions can be adopted by as many farms as possible? It's a challenge and at DRNZ we talk about five farm systems or five production systems but what I've learned over the year is there's sort of 14 or 15,000 different farm systems so every farmer has their own goals or their own system, their own way of doing things. So what we're doing is we're working closely with farmers so we're trying to understand what their challenges are, any potential barriers to adoptions of these solutions or of these technologies and delivery mechanisms that we're studying. We're looking at the potential reduction in methane emissions, like I talked about before, using these different delivery options. You know, we have farmers out there now that have in-shed feeding facilities or feed pads. So what is the effect that we'll get from these inhibitors if we were to feed them twice a day using what farmers already have? Looking at the effect of these different forages, what, what we know, though, that is every farmer has this unique set of goals, unique farm systems, And we're trying to look at different solutions that they can use. There's no silver bullet, not at this point in time. And what we want to do is develop a suite of tools or a toolbox that the farmer can choose a package or choose a solution Mm. from that that will fit with their goals and fit with their system. You know, we're not looking for one solution that will reduce methane by 10% on every farm in New Zealand. We may find, you know, a mitigation solution that could reduce methane by 50% on 20% of the farms in New Zealand and that would then give us our 10% target. So we're really taking into account the different systems, different farmers' goals and then trying to think about what are the mitigation solutions that we can develop that they can implement on their farm. Farmers listening to this will be clearly wondering when are we going to see some options. Can you answer that? Oh, it's a slow process and it's challenging. We are working hard. I suppose that's what I want to assure them. We're investing money. We're investing resource. We're building our capability and our capacity to answer these questions. Our aim within our team is to have candidate packages. So have some packages ready to scale, test at a farm level by 2025. So 2030 is not far away. It's just Mm -hmm. around the corner. And at the moment, most of our research is being done at a small component level because we need to do that if we're measuring the methane and intake and quite intensive research. But what we want is our aim is to, by 2025, have a package or packages that we scale up to the farm level and we test it. So farmers have got time to consider their options and look at how they could implement it in their systems in time to meet those 2030 targets. So when you talk about scaling it up, does that mean trialling it on different farms around the country? Yeah, it could be that it's at a farm systems level. So we may go to some of our partner farms, some of the regional farms where they can run, thinking about the Northland Agriculture Research Farm that I work with, NARF. You know, they've got opportunity to run three herds, have three vats. We could then test three different types of technology at a herd level, but still have some control over it, hopefully working with partner farms such as our farm, demonstration farms. So yes, the idea is to scale it up. Yeah. Are you feeling optimistic? Are you excited about this work? Uh, I am excited. I'm a glass half full type of person. So yes, I am optimistic. 
and I do think we'll find the solution. Like I said, we're not, I think we need to remember that we're not trying to find a solution that is going to work on every farm. We think about it at a national level. We're trying to reduce methane emissions by 10%. We can look at different solutions that I think will work on different farm systems, different farmers, you know, it fits with their goals, their systems, their team, their capabilities. So I do think we'll have technology available to help farmers reduce their emissions by 2030. The 2050 target is large, but the same again, I think we've got time. We will come up with some solutions for farmers. Jane, just to finish up, and you've probably covered it, but I'm just really interested in knowing what do you think could solve the problem? Like for you, what do you see that holds the most promise? Yeah, it's like a million dollar question at the moment. We've got some promising technology available now. Um, We've got some promising delivery mechanisms and what we're really focusing on now is trying to select the ones that we think will have the biggest potential impact and continue to accelerate them. So there is no silver bullet, I don't think. I think we'll find a suite of tools that farmers will be able to choose from that fit their goals, their systems, and at an industry level, we'll achieve those targets. Mm. And if anyone is listening to this and they would love to know more about the subject, where can they go to? Can they contact you? Yes, absolutely. Contact myself or Alina Manet is the other key researcher, senior scientist in this methane space. So either of us are more than happy to talk with farmers to answer questions. They can also go through their local regional partner or extension partner and they will either answer the question if they've got the knowledge or they will pass it on to us. So you're more than happy. Always enjoy talking with farmers. We always learn when we speak with farmers as well and always enjoy talking with them and happy to answer any questions that they might have. I'll put it in the show notes as well, but what's your email address here? It's jane.k, so j-a-n-e dot k-a-y at dairynz.co.nz. That's brilliant, Jane. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I know it's a complex topic and there's a lot to talk about, but I think you've condensed it really nicely, so thank you. Is there anything else, any final thoughts that you have before we finish up? No, um, just, you know, thanks for the opportunity. It's great to be able to talk about the work that we are doing, I suppose, just to let farmers know that we are working hard. We understand the size of the challenge um, and we're working hard to try and find solutions in this space. That's excellent. Thanks, Jane, and good luck with the work. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Dairy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, go to dairynz.co.nz forward slash podcast or find us on your favourite podcast platforms.